Welcome to Joyful Marketing. I'm Simone Soul, and I teach you how to get your life coaching practice fully booked without having to pay for ads, buy Instagram followers, or complicated sales funnels. It's not rocket science, and you can do it too. Listen on to find out how. My friends, happy new year. If you make just one change in the new year, let it be what I'm about to propose in this episode. It may just be completely life-changing. It's radical. And if you actually do it, it is actually going to completely turn your business probably upside down in the best way possible. And I'm not hyperbolizing. Is that a word? Hyperbolizing? Exaggerating? (laughs) And let me just tell you exactly what we're going to do. We are going to purge the words not enough from your brain. Not enough, that's scarcity, that's insufficiency. And I am proposing that you and I and all of us go on a scarcity detox for the new year. You see, I started thinking about this after I was rereading one of my favorite books recently called The Soul of Money by Lynn Twist, which I highly, highly, highly recommend. And in the book, the author Lynn Twist talks about how scarcity and not enoughness is like a thought epidemic in our world, which continues to create even more scarcity. It's like when you have a thought that when you, that you don't have enough of something, it's like that thought has babies and what it creates is in the real world is more and more scarcity. Think about it. Why do we have like global inequality in which the richest people are hoarding all the resources and exploiting everybody else and keeping everybody else really poor? It's because people are creating and perpetuating exploitative systems. And listen, those systems don't have a mind of their own. The system isn't like a living, breathing thing. There are people, there are human beings who are making decisions about these things at every level and especially from the top. So think about it. What is the virus in all of their minds that keeps these problems going. It's the virus of, it's not enough. We need more. We need more. We need more. We can't let this money circulate in the world. It can't escape my hands. I need to hold on to it. We need to hold on to it because there isn't enough. What if there isn't enough? We need bigger profits this quarter and even bigger profits the next quarter and bigger and bigger, bigger profits every year. And it's not enough that we have all that we have. We need more, 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 more. We need faster, faster, stronger, stronger, higher, higher, because there just isn't enough. It's not enough yet. Do you see? If you seriously stop to think about the problems, the kind of thinking that creates, that this kind of thing creates at the highest levels of economics and politics and everything else, You can really see on a macro level what not enough creates on a global scale. And I'm not cool with it. I don't think you're cool with it either. So the author of the book, Lynn Twist, talks about how whenever a group of people get together to solve a problem and everybody's thinking is focused on what there's not enough of, zero solutions get created. And wherever communities, businesses, individuals, neighborhoods, cities, countries get together to solve a problem and they're focusing on what's there, what is abundant, where there is enoughness and richness, suddenly people come up with solutions. People come up with new ideas. Just think about your own self. Where are you more likely to come up with solutions and creative ideas and new insights? 
And where are you more likely to generate the energy to execute them? Is it when you're thinking about what you don't have enough of, where you aren't measuring up, where there's insufficiency? Or is it when you're thinking about what you do have enough of, areas of life where you are already rich, where there's plenty, where you excel, where you are thriving? Probably the latter, right? And it goes the same for your business. And it's almost like the not enoughness is not even an actual thing in the world. It's just the thing that we keep saying to ourselves and believe in. The more we say it, the more of it we create. When I first started paying attention to how I was doing this to myself, I was like, wow, this is like nonstop coming up so much. This is like so dumb. I don't want to do this anymore because I was noticing the effect that it had on the way I was thinking and acting. And when it came to my own life, it was like, oh, well, I didn't get enough love. And I was like, oh, I'm not getting enough of this. When I, you know, and I am with my friendships. Oh, in my relationships, I'm not getting enough. Oh, I'm not getting enough sun today. <laughs> and I noticed the same thing in our coaching communities as well. If I had a penny every time somebody told me something, somebody said not enough something in a coaching business context, you know, I think I'd be so rich or I already am rich. I'd be even richer. Think of how many times I've heard people say, I don't have enough clients. I don't have enough money. I haven't earned enough from my business to invest. I don't have enough time. I'm actually guilty of this one a lot. I didn't get enough sleep. (laughs) I didn't do enough marketing. I don't have enough ideas. I don't have enough confidence. And, you know, just like your clients are going to tell you the same, they're going to tell you, your coaching clients are going to tell you, oh, you told me to do this and I didn't do enough of it. You know, I don't love myself enough. I don't have enough confidence. I don't have enough skill. My life isn't this enough. My husband isn't giving me this enough. My kids aren't whatever enough. You know, I bought this program. I'm not getting enough out of it. I invested in that coaching and I didn't get create enough of the goal I wanted. That coach didn't give me enough time and attention. Not enough, not enough. This business isn't making enough. It can just go on and on and on. And when you're on the lookout for it, you're going to notice that it's actually like worse than coronavirus. It is everywhere. Not enough is everywhere. And it is poisoning our minds. It's creating scarce results everywhere. Where there is a mindset of insufficiency, the result that's always being created is more insufficiency. So this is the radical thing that we're going to do when we embark on the scarcity detox. Whenever your brain is saying not enough something, right? Oh, look, not enough followers. Oh, we didn't get enough engagement on this. Oh, we didn't get it. I didn't do enough. Just say to yourself, hey, did I just hear not enough? We don't do that anymore. We don't say that anymore. And imagine that you have a delete key in your brain, like on your your brain operating system keyboard, and just go pip. You just... Push the delete key and delete the words not enough from your mind. You just delete it. And you delete it without being mad at yourself for thinking it because, hey, like I said, this is a social virus. It's in the air. You are not the author of the not enough virus. You just inhaled it. It's just in your brain. And you're not to be blamed that it's in your brain. And after you delete, you want to ask yourself, If not enough was not in my vocabulary, what would I be experiencing now? What would I think? 
How would I see this? And what would I do? Let me tell you a story, a beautiful, potent story from the book, The Soul of Money. So Lynn Twist tells this amazing story that actually happened. The author spent many, many years, I think decades, even like her whole life in international aid, international development, working directly with people around the world to empower communities. And she tells a story about how one time there was a team that got together a group, a big group of people in Bangladesh, you know, Bangladesh and Asia, which is, uh, Historically, a pretty impoverished country, like Bangladesh is one of the poorest countries in the world. And she was talking about how in Bangladesh, the Bangladeshi people had been a recipient of international aid for a long time, right? By Western countries would come and give aid. And they, you know, always like for some reason or another, they were blighted by this or that domestic problem. They're always being in need of other countries and organizations to come help them, or at least that's how other people saw them from the outside. And there's been a, his- a history of so much aid flowing into the country, like food aid, money aid, whatever, and it would never have any lasting impact in the country in terms of actually making Bangladesh stronger or wealthier. And you can imagine at least part of the problem was that Bangladeshis have been accustomed to thinking of themselves as being poor, as not having enough, not and always being in need of external support, probably because that's the messaging they got from the international community. Oh, you guys don't have enough. Let's come help you. Right. And there just wasn't, as a result of that, there wasn't a lot of hope or optimism in the air. There wasn't a lot of energy kind of propelling new things forth. So are you hearing what I'm prompting you to hear? Are you hearing the thread of the thought of insufficiency? Right. The not enoughness. There's not enough money, not enough GDP, not enough resources, not enough education, not enough offer, not enough opportunity. The book talks a lot about the things where, you know, Bangladeshis themselves thought of their own country as not having enough of. Imagine that that is how an entire group, an entire country of people are accustomed to thinking of themselves, right? Keep in mind, I'm reeling the story from what I can remember of the story from what I read in the book. So there might be some details that are off or missing, but I just want you to pay attention to the big overall arch of the story, which is true and very moving. So someone went into this, you know, or created this large gathering of Bangladeshis in like a big park or field or something and had them close their eyes for a second and do like an imaginative exercise. They had the Bangladeshis imagine their country in a different way. They had him thinking about the wealth of beauty and tradition and culture in Bangladesh. Had them consider the strength of the people who live there, the resilience of the people. They had him think of about Bangladesh as harboring the potential to contribute a great deal to the world, to be a leader in the world in terms of art, in terms of technology, you know, the Bangladesh language being studied everywhere, being a leader in terms of spirituality, had them thinking about their own country, not as a place of deficiency, but as a place of strength, richness, so many places of abundance, of infinite power, infinite potential. And so what happened next was the book tells a story of how this entire big group of people, Bangladeshis, who are being guided to contemplate this, their eyes started welling up. 
They had these expressions on their face like they never thought of their own country in this way before. It was this potent meditation of seeing Bangladesh in wealth and abundance and power, maybe for a lot of these people for the first time in their lives. And that whole incident, that session, as it were, created the energetic opening for these Bangladeshis to come together in communities and create amazing brand new projects and execute them to empower themselves and to create greater opportunities in the country from the inside out without international aid because the source of richness, the source of power wasn't outside of the country. It wasn't going to come from, you know, outside rescuers. It was within the entire time. And in a way, when people imagined this, they were kind of like allowing themselves to tell tell themselves a truth about their country for the first time, a truth about its richness, it's a truth about its wealth. Isn't that just astounding? I just thought it was the most beautiful story. And what I'm proposing to you is to do the same, except here, the protagonist of the story is not Bangladesh, but you. Are you accustomed to thinking about yourself as an impoverished country, as it were? Are you accustomed to thinking of yourself as always being in the red, so to speak, having a deficit in this and that, not good enough at this and that, measuring too little, too short in this and that? Is that how you think about business, about your business? When you're thinking about your business, are you primarily focused on the milestones you haven't achieved, the disappointments that you've had, where your skills are inadequate, where you're not getting enough of what you want from other people, from your coaches, your clients, where your you know, confidence is lacking, the money you haven't made? If you're accustomed to thinking about yourself and your business this way, what if you did what the group of Bangladeshis in that story did and closed your eyes for a second. If you're driving, don't do that. <laughs> or if you're walking on the street, if you have to keep your eyes open, do that. But take an imaginative leap with me, right? Let's just give yourself a little bit of space to imagine, to reimagine yourself and your business as being one of richness, rich in talent, rich in stories, rich in desire, rich in dreams and visions. And you, as the coach, as the CEO, abundant, wealthy in inner resources, abundant in resilience, abundant in the love that you have, in the potential that you have to serve. When you look at your own past, what if instead of looking at piles of failures and disappointments and roads not taken and milestones not achieved and this and that, not enough, insufficient, blah, blah, blah. Instead, you looked for the piles of successes, big and small, lessons you've learned, all that you have earned, created, put out into the world. What if you considered all the ways in which you've made a difference from Everything in your personal, you know, relationships, your family, your friends, all the way out to like your work, your larger communities. What if you thought about all the things you learned along the way, all the wisdom you've gained, all that you've overcome, all that you've grown through, all that you survived, all that you've triumphed over. Now that, my friend, 
was the switch from a scarcity-based self-concept to an abundance-based self-concept, a scarcity-based business concept to an, a wealth-based business concept. I should say wealthiness, whatever. <laughs> Listen, your brain is always going to look for where there isn't enough as a matter of habit. And my brain, by the way, on default, used to always tell me like, oh, there's not enough money, not enough money, I don't have enough money. Even though there wasn't a day in my life when I didn't actually have enough food to eat or not have a roof over my head. And my brain also used to tell me every single day, oh, I don't have enough clients. There aren't any more clients coming. I've run out of clients. (laughs) Even though, even at the time when my business was literally growing year after year. Now, I've done a lot of work on this in my head, in my head, and my brain doesn't tell me that I don't have enough money or clients quite so often anymore. But you know what my brain's favorite not enough story is now? I didn't get enough sleep. I didn't get enough exercise. I didn't get enough fun time, you know? <laughs> so here's where I like to ask myself my favorite Byron Katie question, which is who would I be without that story? Who would I be without defining each moment? each day in terms of what I wasn't having enough of. I find it so fascinating how Lynn Twist like talks about how scarcity in the book, right? Scarcity almost became like a religion in our society, right? If at any point you find your brain like really wanting to defend insufficiency, like almost like go to war to win at the point of like, see, I told you there just isn't enough. I can like come up with like this giant, you know, defense of the not enough of it. not enoughness of it, right? Just notice, like, whoa, has scarcity become my religion? Like, will I go to any lengths to defend it? Do I get really annoyed when someone tries to like (laughs) challenge my religion of not enough, right? And a lot of it, I have to tell you, when it comes to my own practice, I don't even initially catch a lot of these thoughts as scarcity because it just feels like the truth. Like, but it is true. It is true that I don't have enough time. It is true that I don't have enough carrots for the recipe, right? Like I, a lot of your scarcity thoughts will also just feel like the truth. And that is okay and normal. The main work of the scarcity detox is just notice when your brain says just super casually, hey, not enough of whatever, right? And when your brain wants to like double down defending it, just notice, oh, my brain's doing, you know, the scarcity thing. The, the not enough virus is operating. <laughs> if you notice it, if you just call it for what it is, that is honestly like 95% of the work. And once you do notice it, here's how you create openings. When your brain says there's not enough, just go, oh, we're deleting those words now. Thank you for your service. And we don't do that anymore. Delete. And ask yourself, what do I already have enough of? What do I already know? Hey, what is abundant? Sometimes asking and answering that question for myself, like what's abundant, that alone feels like a giant sigh of relief for me. That solves so much. Like that, just that one question, like what is abundant? I also like to ask myself, how is this the exact right amount of whatever? Like, how is this the right amount? I like to ask myself, where is the richness? Where is the wealth? Where are the gifts? What are the resources that are inherent to whatever I'm talking about? What are the opportunities, right? All these 
beautiful questions. And by the way, now that I've told you how to actually do the scarcity detox, important caveat here is this is not about gaslighting yourself and trying to believe I have so much money when your nervous system is like freaking out on like jacked up on fear, believing the exact opposite. This is not about forcing yourself to change your beliefs. This is not about reframing negative thoughts to positive thoughts. Like, fuck positivity. It is not about being positive. This is not about changing your thoughts. This is about practicing the noticing. And it's about telling yourself the truth about the rest of reality that is so easy to ignore when your brain is hyper-focused on not enough, when it's chanting the song of not enough at the church of not enough. Just what else is there, right? I love to ask my clients to think of their entire consciousness, consciousness like your entire mind as a giant estate. Think of your mind as an estate, right? And there is a mansion in the estate and there's one room in which no matter what you look for and where you look for it, there just isn't enough. That's the deficit room. That's the not enough room, right? In that room, everything is not enough. However, when you get out of the room, there are so many other rooms. There are rooms of treasures. There are rooms of plenty, rooms of beauty, rooms filled with light, rooms filled with music, hallways filled with, you know, pictures, pantry stocked full of vegetables and fruits and meats and all the things, ballroom filled with guests. (laughs) There's a garden outside full of vegetables and fruits. Do you see like You can stay in the not enough room and lock yourself in there forever, or you can step out of the not enough room and see how much more of life there is, how much more of you there is, how much more of the world there is to experience. In talking about this, because we talked about this this inside Joyful Marketing, of course, one Joyful Marketing member, Sarah Grace Powers, hey, Sarah, if you're listening, (laughs) said something really amazing about this. She said, I'm paraphrasing these, it might not be the exact words, but she said basically, maybe it's not about looking for where there is enough. Maybe it's about noticing how enough just is. And I love that so much. Experiencing enough as a way of being rather than something that you have to hustle to get to. You can be in the enoughness. And the enoughness is always there for you to experience. My friend, when you make a practice of this, when you really commit to the scarcity detox, you will find that your brain dramatically rewires itself and becomes remarkably efficient at de-stressing itself, finding solutions, creating amazing ideas, and generally making life and business oh so much better. I committed to the scarcity detox a while ago, and I have to tell you, I haven't been like perfect with it, and your brain won't be quote-unquote perfect either, but I stayed with it. I'm getting better at it. And I cannot tell you what a miracle in my mental health and productivity it has been. And my wish for all of us is to experience the scarcity detox in 2022 together And who even knows? Maybe we, as a big group of life coaches, listening to this podcast, (laughs) can set a new norm in the world 
a new way of being in which all of our ways of thinking and all of our ways of doing things and being in our bodies are by default attuned to sufficiency. Wow, isn't that a beautiful dream? That's my dream and my plan and my wish for 2022. Will you please join me? Let's go. Hey, if you want a shot of fresh inspiration and actionable tips to improve your marketing every single week in your inbox, you better get on my email list. Sign up to receive my free ebook called 20 Unsolicited Copy Tips. It's been known to get people to come out of the woodwork and ask to work with you. So get on that link in the show notes and I'll see you in your inbox next time.